everybody. How are we? Thank you. Thanks, Bevan, for one person. Good morning, everybody. How are we? Great. I see that hand. Thanks, Andre. Um, awesome to see you guys. If I don't know you, kia ora and welcome. My name is Dre or Andre, and uh, my beautiful wife and I, we are the uh, lead pastors here at Cornerstone, along with an awesome team of people. Uh, so if it's your first time this morning, I just want to say welcome, and it's so great to have you uh, in the house this morning. You know, we're in the middle of a series at the moment so uh, called Stronger, Stronger Relationships. So if you want to write this down, I encourage you to write it down, uh, but we're in the middle of a series called Stronger Relationships. Does anyone remember, for a high five from the pastor, does anyone remember what week one was? Stronger Relationships, Building Stronger Relationships with, and Lyndon did it, Pastor Lyndon, anyone remember? Building Stronger Relationships with? Warriors? No. Others? I heard someone. Did I hear someone? Maybe I heard it in my own brain. Yes, great work, that person. Uh, Building stronger relationships with others. And then last week, we had uh, Warren come in, and we had to do a little bit of a move around, but Warren came in, and he spoke about building stronger relationships with the Trinity, with God, and how those relationships work together. So this morning, I've got a few questions for you before I even start and give you the idea of what we're speaking about today. So I have a question. Are you ready? Look at me, look at me. Okay. What is your most important relationship outside of God? I'd actually like to hear. Feel free to yell out. What is your most important... Kids, great. Husband, wife, car. Who said car? <laughs> Cat, good. Okay. Anyone else? What was that? Rugby. <laughs> Family. Cool. Yourself? Ah, thank you very much for that, Judy. I would go, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Can I please have Warren up? Can I please have Jan up? Can I please have Willie? And can I please, who am I making eye contact with? Gareth, why don't you come on up? Just come stand at the front for me, please. This is for last week. I'm going to have you sit here. Yeah, you weren't even here. You're like, it's not my fault. Okay, let's imagine for a moment that these four people represent people in my lives, okay? So we've got dad over here. Uh, we've got mum. Okay, this is my mum. This is my dad. Uh, this is my brother, obviously. Um, and uh, this is my boss, okay? Now, here's the thing. Can you guys see the resemblance? Brothers from another mother. From another mother. Okay, for this exercise from the same mother, same father. Okay, so here's the thing. My relationship with Willie, my brother, who owns the responsibility for that relationship? Both of us, right? So he owns at least 50% of this relationship, and I own 50% of this relationship. The good, the bad, the ugly between my brother is half mine and half his. All right, so... Uh, we're having a great time, we're growing up together, we're doing good things, maybe we have a falling out, whatever. We own both of that, it's both of us, right? Okay, and then I've got my sweet mum here. <laughs> You're about the same height as my mum. <laughs> and um, who, who owns the responsibility in this relationship? <laughs> that was good, well done. Wrong. Uh, it's both of us right? So the good, the bad, the ugly, it's both of us. 
You own what you do and say in this relationship. I own what I do and I say in this relationship. So 50% with my brother Willie and I, 50% with mum and I. Now let's go to dad. Isn't he cute? That's me and me until I'm so old that he's got to put me in a home. Yes, yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, you're about the same age as my dad, actually. <laughs> so um, this relationship, who owns the responsibility in the relationship between my dad and I? Both of us. 50% dad, 50% me. What we say to each other, how we interact in life is you've got to bring what you have bring to the table, I've got to bring what I bring to the table. Am I responsible for his 50%? Hmm, interesting. Okay, dad, move along. Oh, my boss. I picked him because he's wearing a tie. Okay. Um, and so my boss, who owns the relationship here? Half him, half me. So whether it's good, it's bad, we own the relationship. Am I, is he responsible for... Well, he probably is in some sense, but is he responsible for how I treat him, my 50% of the relationship? Is he responsible for that, or is it my responsibility? My responsibility, okay. So out of my brother, my mother, my father, and my boss, what is the one common denominator? Me. Okay, give these guys a high five and a clap as they sit down. Interesting. So no matter... What relationship, no matter what's going on, the common denominator in all of your relationships is what? It's you. It's me. It's oneself. So today, if you haven't picked up on it yet, today's topic of building stronger relationships is building a stronger relationship with self. Every relationship that you have, has at least 50% of it, has got something to do with you. You know, whether you uh, have been here today, I hope today's message is really encouraging. I hope that you can walk away with today's message going, I can apply something. Because I don't ever want to do a message where you just go, I can't remember what the pastor said, or the pastor had sweet on sweet shoes, or the pastor did something funny, okay? Those things are great, and I do have new shoes on. But what I want you to do is take something away that you can apply to your life, okay? And all in agreement, nod your head. Yes, boss. Yeah, okay. So what is the most important relationship outside of God? I believe outside of God itself because you deal with people all the time and you own what you own because you're bringing, to, you're bringing it to the party. So we're going to break into two sections. Everybody say two sections. Two sections. One, two. So the first one is loving ourselves. That's the first section. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the biblical principle of loving ourselves. And then the second thing is changing ourselves. Because I think the mark of a true, growing Christian, I've just given it away, is that we're always willing to grow. We're willing to learn from the Bible. We're learning, sorry, we're willing to hear from the Holy Spirit. We're willing to hear from the pulpit. We're willing to change our life if God has called us to, right? So changing ourselves is a big part of our self-awareness. It's a big part of our self-relationship. Building a stronger relationship, I cannot get, over, cannot get it across better than my words are right now. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is it's extremely important. Changing ourselves, being willing to change is a huge part. So loving self. Now, there's a Bible verse, Mark 12, verse 31. It says, uh, it's, a, it's a pretty well-known Bible verse. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, there is no greater commandment than this. You know, I searched through the Bible and I was looking 
to see if I could find any really clear text that said, you need to love yourself. And what I found is lots of references to it, like this one, sort of indirectly saying it's a big point is something else, but it's referencing the fact that you should love yourself. And here's the thing, you know, in um, Proverbs 119, uh, you might be familiar with this scripture that says, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, here's the interesting thing. In all of Christendom, in the last 2,000 years plus, um, in the last 100 years or so, there's been a change in Christian thinking. If you'd gone back 100, maybe 150 years ago, you, and you asked a Christian, hey, I, do you love yourself? Are you of value? They would say, well, yes, I'm not perfect, but absolutely, I do love myself. Um, I love myself because God created me. I'm not perfect, but I, God thinks I'm awesome, and God thinks I'm worth something, and, and so I do have an innate value. But what's changed over the last 150 years, certainly in Western culture, is that we've kind of moved away from that, and it's not cool to think that God thinks you're cool, therefore think I have coolness or self-worth. And so we've come away from that, but in Mark it says, the second is this, love yourself um, as, uh, love your neighbor as yourself. There's this unsaid presumption that we love ourselves, that God thinks we're cool, that we do hold value. You, my friend, hold value today. You might be broken, you might be hurting, you might have made big muck-ups in your life, but you are valuable. If you haven't heard that enough, I want to say it again, making eye contact with you all. You're valuable. God loves you. God died on the cross for you. If you've never heard that before, that's an awesome thing to hear. You, you have an intrinsic value, male or female. Um, you know, I was looking at these today, and I was just, side thought, this is always dangerous, um, but I was thinking, you know how in the, in the current climate of, oh, I really am in dangerous territory. <laughs> um, you know, you know uh, everyone, whatever you want to believe, you can believe, and that goes everything from relationships to gender and all that sort of stuff. I thought, in the future, how are they going to mark male and female toilets? I was thinking, because they're probably going to be like, why do women need to wear dresses? How, is, that why, is that how we identify women? And I thought, I don't know how we're going to do it in the future, but I can see that changing. I thought that's... Yeah, I shouldn't have gone there. Let's carry on. <laughs> Interesting thought. Um, and so your relationships are really important. God values you. God thinks you're awesome. You have a value as a son, daughter, child of God. Whether you know that or not, he died for you and he thinks you're uh, awesome and important. And I wanted to make a declaration today. Whether you're a guest or you're a person that stays here, you live in this space, this is your church. I want to say that we... The greater Christian community, Cornerstone Church, Acts Churches New Zealand, uh, elders, pastors, we think you're awesome. We love you, and we think that God uh, has an innate value on your life, and we think that you're valuable. But here's the thing. We've all just gone through this great disconnect called lockdown, right? Now, what happens in lockdown is you start to feel disconnected, literally disconnected, okay? You were a little closer. Now you're feeling a little disconnected. Now, here's the thing. And I can only take responsibility for my actions and, and for, for what Cornerstone represents. But I want to talk for a context for a second here and greater to everybody else if you're a guest here this morning. If you're feeling disconnected, you know, we, we're there with you. We're sorry that you feel like that because people are still 
struggling with their mental health and their well-being through this process. Now, here's the thing. Do we own mistakes made, uh, conversations that should have been had, all that sort of stuff? Absolutely. Because guess what? We're human and we make mistakes. That goes for all of us, right? We all make mistakes. But here's the thing. If you're feeling disconnected, unvalued, not worthy, that is not the heart of this church. That is not the heart of the, our elders. We want to see you connected because you're valuable and you're awesome. So if you are feeling those things, given that sometimes we do make mistakes and we will apologize and we'll work with it, all that sort of stuff. If you are feeling disconnected, if you are feeling pulled away, I want to say that, that instead of looking at blaming people, I would like to suggest that perhaps we could blame something, someone else. Because I think that God wants unity within people, but the enemy wants division, right? So yes, we own what we need to own, absolutely. But if you're feeling away from, I suspect, won't you come up and talk to a pastor, talk to your connect group leader, talk to an elder, someone that you, that you trust and would love to pray for you. If the enemy can convince you this, uh, every morning, each morning, that you are weak, unloved, and directionless, then he has already won the day. The problem with that is, I've written the day because my hope is, is that God can always turn things around. Who heard my testimony last week? You know, God turned my life around over a short amount of, period, a short amount of time. But I think weak, unloved, and directionless. I don't know about you, but I've felt weak, unloved, and directionless at, directionless at times in my life. I think the enemy uses those three things because they're strategic. Weak, I don't hold value. I don't, I don't, I don't have any strength in myself and who I am. I'm unloved. Nobody loves me. Everybody thinks this. They said this, but I'm pretty sure they're thinking that. Directionless, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what to do with my life. If I was the enemy, that's what I would do. But there's a Bible verse in 2 Timothy that says, for God has not given us a spirit of timidity and fear. And we're going to focus on that bit a little later on. But we're going to focus on the second part. A lot of people will just sort of jump over the second part. And they go, God will not give us a spear. A, a spear. God will not give you a spear. Sorry. God will not give you a spirit of fear. Uh, but of, um, and then we're going to go to this part here. But of power, love, and discipline. Let's say that together. Power, love, and discipline. Well, yes, okay, God will not give us a spirit of fear. But he's going to give us a spirit of something else. Power, love, and discipline. But, Dre, you were just saying before that we feel weak, unloved, and directionless, but the Bible says that we have power, love, and discipline. Who are you letting influence your self-worth, your self-love relationship? You know, this whole thing about your self-love relationship, there's a spectrum. If you could imagine I represent the perfect uh, middleness, which I don't, uh, but if I was perfectly balanced, on this side is the person who struggles with who they are, um, hates themselves, self-harms, is in a really bad mental place because they don't see any value on them. This is right down the far end of the spectrum of the self-love, caring, self-caring kind of spectrum. In the middle is where we should be, a healthy amount, that we know that we are weak, but we also know that we are strong. Right? We do know that we have limitations in our flesh, but we are strong in the spirit. We have strengths and abilities given to us from God. 
But then, if you forget that weakness side of things, you can go to the other end of the spectrum, down this end where it's, hey, I never make mistakes. This is my arrogant voice. I never make mistakes. I'm perfect. Everything that I say and believe is 100% true. Woo! Who's met people like that in their lives? Spouses, don't put your hand up if it's... Everything I say, I think is true. That sounds like a fair comment. You start stretching that a long way, and you start realizing that you don't have any humility in your life. Where can that end you up? I remember a long time ago, Hannah and I were talking about this, and just saying how sometimes we just believe wholeheartedly that what we think is true. And uh, this is a really touchy subject, but I want to touch on the subject because it's an extreme end of the, the, the stick, extreme end of the spectrum. But I've never read the whole book, but I've read um, uh, parts of uh, Mein Kampf, which is Hitler's thing. And I, one thing you can take away from that, I know, heavy, right? One thing you can take away from it is he wholeheartedly believed in everything he was doing. He believed he was right. So just because you're right, does that make you right? Anything can influence you to end you up over here. Let's have some humility, people. Be aware that you can go off the rails. You can make mistakes. Let's go back in the middle where it's happy. not talking about Hitler. Woo! Let's move on. Hey, there's some um, scriptures I want to read out over you, some things that I want to encourage you. So Romans 12, verse 5 says, So we who are many are one body in Christ uh, and individually members of one another. You're built for community. You are built for a common unity. You are built to connect with people. If you're feeling like you don't have value, get along and amongst other people. Connect groups, coffees. Because here's the thing. Sometimes somebody else can look at you and go, Georgia, I see awesome stuff on your life. I think you're such a servant heart. I think you've got this on your life. I think you've got that. But Georgia might be sitting there thinking, I'm this, I'm rubbish, I'm not. Sometimes we need to A, get out of our comfort zone and tell someone what we think of them in a positive way, and B, put ourselves in a position if you need to, to hear it. So one way that we can help on this journey of self-love is putting ourselves amongst other people. Second one, Proverbs 11, a generous person will prosper, uh, and whoever refreshes will often be refreshed. Giving of your time, money, talent, resources, words, is going to go a long way to making you feel better. There's a proven fact that being generous increases the endorphins released into your body. You feel better about yourself when you focus on someone else for a day, an afternoon, a busy mum folding their washing, a dad that's just gone through a marriage breakup, all those sorts of things. Be generous. The third point is let the wise hear and increase in learning. And, uh, one, uh, and the one who understands uh, will obtain guidance. Learning, never being willing to give up. Learning and being willing to be teachable. I think I said this a little while ago, that I always look for leaders who are teachable and willing to learn. Because if you're not willing to learn and you think you've reached it, what end of the spectrum are you on? Over here somewhere. Number four, Colossians 4. Continue steadily in prayer being watchful and thanksgiving. 
Watchful and thanksgiving. What do I think about when I think of being watchful and thanksgiving? Open my eyes, going into the, the, the mountains and being thankful for what God has done. Watching and seeing what people are doing. Taking notice of the things that are good in my life and giving thanksgiving for that. So if you're struggling with your self-worth and your, and your well-being, first one, uh, get amongst other people. Second one, be generous. Third one, be willing to learn. Fourth one, continue to be watchful and to take notice. And then the fifth one, for this reason, awake sleeper and arise and shine. Arise and shine. So I say to my children, arise from, I lie. They come to me and wake me up. I make it sound like they, I wake them up. They wake me up. Uh, arise and shine from the dead and Christ will shine on you. There's this idea that we also need to be active. I mean, you'll know this if you've ever gone to a council or anything else. There's a bunch of ideas that they say can help you through feeling like a really low self-love kind of time in your life. What are those things again? They're connecting, giving, keeping, learning, taking notice, and being active. Here's the thing. Recently, um, some uh, really smart people have got a whole lot of evidence together, and what they've decided is they've come up with five ways um, that secular scientists and secular um, counselors and psychologists and all this that have found Five things that they've gone in the, in the world that have gone, this is really helpful. So for your well-being, your mental health, these five things the New Zealand District Health Board have come up with. Okay, they're really smart. Are you ready? Connect, give, take notice, keep learning, and be active. The Bible's been saying that for thousands of years, bro. <laughs> I say that to New Zealand Ministry of Health. It's awesome, right? They've recognized connecting is important. Giving. Do you know now they've now done studies that proven that if you are somebody that gives and serves, uh, you will live longer than people that don't. So pack and crew, come see us down. <laughs> the pack and crew guys are like, yes, yes. You will live longer. It's good for your soul. It's good for your body. Take notice. Keep learning and be active. Reminder, you are the common denominator in all your relationships. Can you say that? I am the common denominator in all my relationships. Okay, changing self. Big statement. You can only change something about yourself if you're willing to look at self. Are you willing to be self-aware and, and realize that maybe you're not perfect? Maybe you're not right up that end of the spectrum. Maybe you need a little balancing out. I've got a question. If you've got the choice to, just raise your hand. Who wants to be holy, useful for God, and ready for his work? Thank you. Not a trick question. I want to be holy, useful for God, and ready for his work. Second Timothy says this, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel of honorable use. A vessel of honor. Can you guys say vessel of honor? Vessel of honor. Set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, and ready for every good work. How cool is that? But there's the first part of that. We have to cleanse ourselves. We've got to go through a repenting process, and we've got to go to God and say, hey, I'm not perfect. Can you work on me? Can you deal with the things, the pointy edges? Maybe you've done that once. Maybe you do that daily, but, or maybe you've never done it. But I would encourage you to cleanse yourself, the Bible says, to be a vessel of honor. Man, if I, when I die and God says to me, hey, you good and faithful servant, you have been a vessel of my honor. 
Someone's cutting onions. Okay. <clears throat> I want to say that relationship issues, all those relationship issues you're having, almost always stem from poor self-awareness. Does anyone know anyone in their life? Again, don't look at your spouse if it's them. But uh, does anyone know anyone who's totally unself-aware? They just don't know what they're saying, what they're doing. Just me. I see there's three people. <laughs> so self-awareness is really important. But how do you measure self-awareness? And apparently it's really hard. Apparently it's quite difficult to teach someone to be self-aware of what they say, do, and how their actions impact other people. Um, and I've got a bit of an idea. I hope this is practical. Um, has anyone ever heard of this guy? Albert Wald. Don't feel bad if you don't, because he was a World War II, World War II mathematician and statistician. Okay, so he's not like real sexy, okay? But that's all right. So here's this thing about this guy, uh, Albert. So World War II, uh, and they've got the bomber planes. We're not talking about like the, 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 the dogfighting fighter jets, those, not those guys, but the big bombers that would drop bombs, right? They had to have those things really armored up because they had lots of anti-gun, anti-aircraft um, weapons. Uh, they had to have thick hulls and they were basically finding in the first couple of years, the Allied forces, that the numbers of people coming out of their bombers coming back was really low, way lower than it should have been. And so they, got, they, had, they spent millions, even back in 1942, I think it was at the time, millions of dollars in um, uh, research and development trying to figure out how they can better look after these planes, right? And so they got all of this data, and they did thousands of interviews of pilots and ask them, hey, you know, what do we need to do um, to, to look after your, your plane? And so when the pilots got back, all these pilots that landed, they're asking them, what, are you, what did you do? And they say, oh, well, you know, we need more of this to protect this and protect that. This is what we need to do. So they correlated all of this data. They took a long time, 18 months. They got everything together. Can you guys see that all right? And they came up with this graph that all those little red dots shows basically over thousands of planes where they were finding the bullet holes and where they were finding the issues. Now, so what they did is they got all of the armor and they was like, okay, cool. We can see where all the planes that are landing, we can see where all the issues are. We need to look after the wings, we need to look after the sort of cockpit area, we need to look after the back there, right? And so they spent all this money, they did it all, and then guess what happened? They were still dying. The planes were still crashing, even though they'd spent all of this money. And so they thought, what are we going to do? We need someone else to look at the data. So they got this guy in, um, who was Alfred Wald. And he was a statistician. And he looked at this graph and immediately said, well, you're looking at the data, but you know what you're not looking at? You're not looking at the lack of data. Like, what are you talking about? He said, well, that's cool that you've measured where all of the bullet holes go for planes that have landed. But those are not the planes you need to be worrying about. You need to be worrying about the planes that aren't landing. And so therefore, with that knowledge, you look at it and you go, well, actually, let's ignore the red dots. Let's look where there are gaps. Oh, the engines. Oh, the cockpit. Oh, the, uh, the back end of the fuselage. Those are the places we need. And so they put all of the armor on those places and didn't worry so much about those other places. And suddenly, they saw like a 45% increase in a week of planes coming back. Here's the thing. Sometimes you need an external person because you can't be self-aware. You've, you've looked at it. You can't see the forest through the trees. Sometimes you need someone to come in 
and they need a kickstart. Um, uh, yeah, sorry. Self-awareness sometimes uh, needs to be kickstarted by someone outside of ourselves. So what I'm saying here is I would encourage you to get a third party, get a professional in, get a statistician in, get in someone, a counselor, and they might be able to help you with some tools on how to be self-aware. They spent millions of dollars on this problem. He comes in and goes, yeah, you're looking at the problem wrong. <laughs> it is helpful to have another person to help you. Who's your biggest critic? Yourself. Why do we think that is? I think the biggest critic is ourselves, and I think that's for lots of reasons. And I think a lot of them have a lot to do with a four-lettered word, yep, four-letter word, fear. Because we are such a big critic of ourselves because we have a fear of rejection. Oh, I'm not that awesome. Bobby's not going to ask me out to the prom. It was very American, wasn't it? <laughs> I don't know anyone called Bobby, but anyway, move on. Um, I have fear around not doing a good job in my workplace. I have fear of not being a good parent. And there's builds up this anxiety, and we start to be such a hard critic of oneself. Is anyone going to join me in putting their hands up if they feel like they are probably the hardest critic of their own life? Certainly me. Whoa, okay, I see that hand. Oh, that actually was for packing crew later. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Second Timothy 17 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of uh, power, love, and discipline. Discipline's a tricky one because it's not a cool word. But discipline suggests that there's things we've got to put in place, there's things we've got to look at, and there's things we've got to work on on a daily basis. I think we need to do a war on fitness. If you're in New Zealand, we call it a WAF. What? and do a waff, a self-assessment of ourselves. First thing is we need to use wisdom. James says that if you don't have ask don't oh, if you don't have wisdom, ask for wisdom, James says. We need to use wisdom. Um, and here's the thing. The knowledgeable, per, knowledgeable person learns from their mistakes. But a wise person, they learn from the mistakes of others and themselves. So be wise. Use wisdom wisdom. You want to do a self-assessment of yourself? Use wisdom. Ask around. Learn from other people. The knowledgeable person learns from their mistakes. The wise learn from the mistakes of others and themselves. Second, oh, we've got to be obedient to what Scripture calls us to do. Oh, I'm all the way over here. I'm really sad. My life's falling apart. Well, you're not following anything that God's asking you to do. We must be obedient. Ask yourself, am I being obedient to what God has called me to? What the scripture has asked me to do, asked me to be like? And then the last one, F, is to be fruitful. So this is a way that you can do a self-assessment. You can ask yourself, am I fruitful in this area of my life? Is there good things happening? If there's not, perhaps there's a problem. Perhaps I could look into that. Perhaps I could ask some questions. Self-development, I just want to mention, has anyone here ever done Strength Finders, the, the online test? Um, it's a really great test. I would encourage you to do it. You can find it there at gallop.com. It's basically, you take 40 minutes, you answer, ask a bunch of questions about yourself, and it gives you top five strengths that you have. It doesn't pigeonhole you. You don't have to be that person. But it may help you, may give you a tool to identify that you have these gifts and these talents, and to work on them. Instead of working just on your weaknesses, it's far better, apparently, to be working on your strengths. One other thing, 
uh, a reminder. As humans, we must not remember, we, we must remember we are not the source of absolute truth. Have you ever met someone that just doesn't even, isn't even aware that they think that they are the absolute source of truth? They're so far on this side, they're on the other side of the curtain. Please remember that. Please remember, just because you think something doesn't always mean that it's 100% true. Because here's the thing, often you'll think through different uh, lenses, and if you're thinking through your emotions, you've heard me say this before, stole it from my father-in-law, sometimes your emotions lie to you. Okay. Uh, can I have the worship team up, please, just as we do a uh, list of things um, that we talked about today? You are the common denominator in all of your relationships. We need to be humble as we work on our relationship with self. We need to be humble. We need to know that we're strong, that the Bible says that we are strong through the strength of Christ and his Holy Spirit. But not so, when over here, you need to remember that you're strong. But the flip side is if you're over here, we also need to know that sometimes we're weak and we are fallible. We make mistakes. We need to cleanse ourselves. We need to go to God and we need to repent. We need to ask for help sometimes. It's okay to ask for help. We need to do a war on the fitness. I encourage you, if you're a mature Christian, every couple of years, why don't you go get a counselor? Just sit down, ask some questions, go through some stuff, just make sure you're dealing with your stuff, a good Christian counselor, and get prayer. Anyone guess what we're doing next? Why don't you stand to your feet? Everybody has relationships. So this is a part of your life you really need to be thinking about. There is a lot in that sermon that for different people that you may need help with. You know, coming to the front during a worship song isn't the answer to fix it. But what it does do is it does signal to God that you are willing to step out in faith you're willing to, to be a part of community, that you're willing to have someone pray for you. And my heart is that there's a group of people here today that will respond in some way. Go, you know what? I'm way too far up this end of the spectrum, Lord. Lord, I've spent far too long down this end of the spectrum. I want to be in the middle of the seesaw. My heart for you today is that you would Respond where you feel you need to respond. I'm not the Holy Spirit. I can't point fingers and say, you need this and you need that. So as you just, could you hold your hands out? I just want to pray a prayer of you. And I pray that the Holy Spirit would be speaking to you as we lift up our hands. Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this space. And Lord, I pray that on every heart here, every mind, every emotion, that you, Holy Spirit, in your miraculous way, would be speaking to all of us, whether we know you or we've just found ourselves in a weird church this morning. Lord, we pray that you, Holy Spirit, would reveal to us the areas that we need to grow in our self-relationship. Do you need to give yourself a hug? Do you need to be less hard on yourself for the mistakes you made 11 years ago? You need some humility. We're going to worship God. And during that worship song, we've got our prayer team available. Just have a chat to the person 
And we would love to pray for you. Again, we're not anything special, but you're doing it within common unity, within community. I pray right now, in the last 10 seconds of this, that you, Holy Spirit, would be revealing to those people. Hey, if you've never heard that God loves you, and you don't know exactly what that looks like, but you're willing to step into some sort of relationship with this God, I would encourage you to give it a go. What else, like, what would you have to lose? So if that's you today, please come up and just let somebody know. We'd love to pray for you. Worship God, and please, we'd love to see you respond. In God's mighty name, amen.